What movie did we just watch, Amy? We just watched Being There from 1979. Directed by Hal Ashby, starring Peter Sellers. Yes. Filmed at the Biltmore Estate. Filmed at the Biltmore Estate. And various other locations. Which was honestly the only thing I knew about this movie going into it was that it it was filmed at the Biltmore Estate. And it had Peter Sellers. Yes, I knew that. It's a quote-unquote classic. It is. It's in the Criterion Collection. It's in the Criterion, which doesn't always... It doesn't make it a great film, but it means it means that there's something significant, something important. It's worth keeping around. Um, Yes, and we have a cat. Seeing as I grew up on and near the Biltmore, not on it. I mean, I've worked the Biltmore State. I've been there many times. Yeah, I like to poke you and go, "Is that the Biltmore? Is that the Biltmore?" Yep, that was the game we played. Does it does it really look like that? Like. It was it, opulent. There's no CGI. Well, it's the no... biggest house in America. It is? I didn't know that. Out. It is. The, it is. That is, is it, a fact. Is it still a house? Like, do people live there? No. No. Okay. No. I mean, I can take you down, like, the whole history. My dad was a vet yes. on the property for the family's horses at that time. I didn't know that part in of the, the story. In the 1970s, 1980s. <laughs> like, I knew your dad was a vet in that area at that time i didn't realize he, he worked for the biltmore estate well and the biltmore estate at that time was in like huge disrepair so i don't know what the history is of like them restoring and fixing it up for this mm-hmm. this film but, but it, it looks was like that it looks like that but they hadn't so the history of the biltmore estate is really interesting to read into the film of this film i can imagine um the Biltmore Estate was built by the Vanderbilts. It was a son of the Vanderbilts, who was a train uh, tycoon. Yeah, the big Vanderbilt. The so Vanderbilt the grandson the did not make any money. He just inherited all his money. And lived in this house. And built this house um, in the kind of right at the turn of the 20th century. And... Um, it basically became an unlivable estate when income tax came into play. So it only was livable for a decade or two. Because then they couldn't afford to live there anymore. That's right. Because of the taxes. Because of the taxes. That's and they didn't have, like, income. It was all inheritance. Yeah. They weren't so they were paying. they were paying property taxes, but not having any money yeah. coming in. And the daughter of, I think it's George Vanderbilt that built it, um, his daughter... Married into the Cecil family, and then the Cecils have had it since the early 20th century to okay. now. Cool. And it was in disrepair in the mid 20th century because it was too expensive to uh, have all of that land. It's but very big. Yeah, it's very big. And um, I mean, I've been there dozens of times, and this this movie just made it so cold and uninviting <laughs> like um it's so huge and now i have like downton abbey to look back at yeah. um and which is probably it makes downton abbey look small um i don't know how they actually yeah. compare the, this movie made the biltmore estate look and feel huge it is it's a castle yeah. like really it's a castle uh, yeah. it's lots of stone Three stories of livable for the aristocratic family, more like attic space and basement space mm-hmm. for the servants, um, the the downstairs staff, as it were. Yes. 
Yeah. Well, and like the like multi-tiered chandeliers going down this giant yeah, staircases. Yeah, the, like the three floors of spiral yeah. staircases, which they don't show a lot of because they take the elevator. Yes. Um, but having an elevator in a house is a big deal in and of itself. But it's <laughs> open. It's stone. It's winter time mm-hmm. at the the time because. I mean, during the summer, it's like, in Asheville, it's like rainforest. Everything's so green (laughs) and lush. The gardens are beautiful and in bloom, but here there, it looks cold and like desert and dead and brown and gray. Which very much felt the, or tied into like the aesthetic of the film. Like that was all very deliberate and intentional, I think. Um, Yeah, I... I was fascinated watching this film. Well, we can go to a bit more state. We will. At some We've time. been saying that for a while now. Yeah, Kevin and I have been together for 10 years, and he's never been to no, the, the Biltmore Estate. Um, but that's okay. It's probably a lot more warm and inviting now, because there's, like, thousands of people coming through. Yeah, it's, it's a tourist destination now. It's a it, big deal. It is a tourist. Can you stay there? Is it like? Can you no, stay? you don't no. stay. You don't stay in the house. Okay. That's just like a museum. Cool. Kind of set up the way that that they lived. Yeah. But especially in the like the dining room scene in the film where there's just like <laughs> four people at this the end this, of this giant table. Like, probably I don't know fifty person. Yeah. Opulent. So opulent, so lonely. Yeah. Uh, and cold. Um, but yeah, at Christmas time, mm-hmm. they would have all of the, they would do like a party for all of the servants and grounds people, hmm. the family would, and have it in that room. And they, it's really cool at Christmas time. You got big Christmas trees. <laughs> you can put um, some big Christmas trees in these giant rooms. <laughs> and the Vanderbilts gave all of the, like, I'm, I'm totally nostalgizing this like <laughs> class dichotomy uh, right now, but they gave all of the the servants and grounds people their children gifts mm-hmm. for Christmas, and so I have How like nice the, of them. I have like uh, warmer. <laughs> I can imagine it feeling maybe warmer and with more bodies, yeah. Um, but yeah, it never really got to be used as the palace. It was. Yeah, built. To Although be. we saw what that would look like in this film, what it would be used to live in. Yeah, and let's talk about the decline of this family, or the, you know, this man and yeah. his legacy, and um, that there was there was metaphor. <laughs> metaphor. There was some metaphor in my happening. films. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what did you think of the film, Amy? It almost felt like like there was going to be this death of capitalism, but it's 1979, so we know. <laughs> Capitalism is far from dead. In fact, it may just take over everything if it has not already. It might. I, yeah. Did you, did you enjoy watching the film, Amy? I did. Thank you, Felicity. Um, I did. I think. Um, I, I think I mostly got excited about the Biltmore State. That's yes, fair. it's a classic. Um, we went in completely unprepared. Yeah. No, contact no idea what this movie was we about. We kind of had to look up. We knew Peter Sellers was famous. Yeah, I mean, um, I knew, I, I've seen Doctor Strangelove, so I know him from that. Yeah, he's um, just one of those classic actors. Yeah, and um, he did many of the Pink Panther movies, which I haven't seen. I, I saw those long ago, but I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a lot of context for him as as a comedic actor. Um, honestly, like seeing the 
that like outtakes at the very end of this film was actually helpful in sort of creating almost like a uh, a relief to the character mm. that he was playing. Like, oh, he can break. Like, it was it. For lack of a term, the character felt very realistic to me. Mm-hmm. Like, not necessarily this is a real person or could be a real person, but. What you can't see right now is Felicity yeah, attacking, attacking Kevin's my arm. arm, which is making my sentences a little more staccato it's, than I would like. It's a challenge to uh, podcast with a cat. It doesn't help that I talk with my hands a lot, yeah. and that looks like a thing to attack. She would like to chase that. Um, you know, like seeing him break character was helpful t- for me to sort of see how much he was putting into a very subdued character or a very a very intentionally blank character now the cat's rubbing on the microphone <laughs> i'm sorry i don't know what that's gonna sound like just i'm putting myself <laughs> yeah okay you are more active than you've been in the last few podcasts felicity i think it's because she just had a a visit from her corgi neighbor yeah uh, all wound up and yeah got a little wound up um yeah, no, like, I mean, this character was absolutely a blank slate. Like, that's the point of the movie, is that everyone else is sort of projecting onto him. Right, right. Well, and it's Peter Sellers, so I expect a high... I, I know that much of Peter Sellers. He's, he's a good actor. caliber of acting. <laughs> yes. And, and I would say that's very true for this character. Yeah. And for this performance. And the outtakes at the end, what they were choosing to... Um, what he was cracking on the the like minstrelsy yes. of it yes. helped me to contextualize um some of what was going on mm-hmm. because what he the outtake at the very it's such a serious there are some funny moments but it's mostly like it's it's incredibly dry humor yes like all um, of the humor is very very deadpan yeah. but he's going the outtake is him trying seeing an African-American doctor in in this the, this big house, this personal doctor, and trying to give him a message uh, from when Peter Sellers' character was accosted by um, several... Angry African- youth. Angry, yeah. Angry, angry black youth in, in uh, Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. which was... Um, Race in this film was problematic in a new and I mean, it's an old. (laughs) It's it's always the same story, but it kind of in a new and interesting way was race problematic in this film. And and that and that uh, outtake of him trying to get through saying deadpan what those kids were accosting him. Yeah, what they were telling him. Teenagers. Um, Oh gosh. Made me go. Oh, okay, okay. There is. There's an awareness. There is an awareness. Yeah. Well, I I appreciated. Like I had written down in my notes. Like this is a movie about like being white. <laughs> right. Which which kind of his the the, the maid, maid from the house who's African American. Um. Yeah, says like yeah when she, like, she sees says him on right TV. in the middle of the movie, and I'm like, oh good, they do know it. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then because for a while it was going through my, it was going through my mind. Sorry, Felicity is trying to attack Swatting my hand. At you. Um, <laughs> that she was gonna, I 
going to be like a mammy character. Yeah, there and was that, some fear of that. Uh, moment when she's watching him on TV reassured me that it wasn't because yeah. she's not showing any love. No affection, um, which mammy characters have generally a have an unquestionable love for their white um, charges. Yeah, white kids that they uh, wards, over- wards yeah. that they oversee, yeah. which is stereotype. Yes, and and an unfortunate stereotype. But no, like the she when she sees him on TV, like she just she turns to all of her friends or the people she's living with. It's not super clear, and is like this guy's stupid like he doesn't know how to read he doesn't know how to write he's a complete failure he never left the house like all these sorts of things and just like straight up calling out like this what you can be white and just be an illiterate son of a gun and now he has the president of the united States. yeah here. listening to him oh, and he's on TV. using his advice yeah yeah um so i think it's a moment where maybe some uh, that happens with white artists and creators where they can be self-aware mm-hmm. of how race works, but they're not, uh, they're not fully aware <laughs> of, of, um, they're trying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think him cracking up on those lines, there's a certain amount of laughing at that, that happens of a caricature stereotypes Mm -hmm. um the kids the beginning i was were there's so so many things happening (laughs) um because he's coming out of this house and it's such as when he first comes out of the house that looks like it it is going to be you know one of these english country cottages yeah yeah it's it's that moment of like we the first time we see outside of the house you expect it to be in that sort of almost timeless sort of like not really timeless but that sort of idea of like like i i didn't know for sure short of the tv when this movie was taking place at the, in the in the opening of the movie, yeah. like it could have been at any point in time. We see this super old car. It's obviously not moved in a long time because the tires are flat. But like other than the TV, like syndica- indicating what time period we're in, like it's intentionally very timeless, very yeah. bubble out of anything. Right. So uh, yeah, expecting upstairs, downstairs, uh, East Coast, mm-hmm. New England, whatever yeah. the U.S. equivalent of that, and he comes out, and it is. A dilapidated street. It's like the street. suburb of D.C. Yeah, yeah. there's, um, like, rusting out old cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just people, like, lower income. Mm-hmm. Uh, the and just, like, graffiti. So it's probably a place that has, was at one point upper class. And mm-hmm. did, I mean, it, th- this movie, there's something in it about a decline of, like, class and capitalism or, or it's making some sort of comment which yeah. with more time maybe i mean i think figure out. i i mean looking at the wikipedia it's like this is a satire and like yes this is very clearly a satire um and i i think it's almost uh an emperor no has no clothes sort of situation yeah. where the movie is pointing out like the vapidity the emptiness the hollowness of all of this sort of structure and, and societal thing going around where this person who has literally grown up only watching television and is a blank slate to absolutely everybody at, at most he's a mirror he reflects yeah. back what people say to him yeah um and then literally in a week is 
talking to the president or less than a week and that sort of thing and he has you know beautiful women throwing themselves at him and everyone is thinks he's brilliant and and astute and he's literally just talking about gardening <laughs> really all he's talking about but this this is what was worrying me he's coming out and they were doing um can't remember who did the music design. But the, the, yeah, there's, there's a music cue in that moment. And it is the not. It's from 2001: Space Odyssey. That that first like yeah, 90 minutes. Zarathustra. Right. This was actually a much older song. It existed yeah. before 2000. <laughs> but it's taken. It's got kind of like a new agey, more kind of like jazzy, electric, yeah. like take on it. And he's coming out into this quote unquote kind of urban area. He's seeing black and brown people, and I'm like getting really concerned yes. about what this <laughs> where, is beginning where are we going? to reference um, with in terms of of race, and that mm-hmm. that set me up for the whole movie to be watching for the. Um, <laughs> The racism, yeah, uh, happen of which there was relatively little. Yeah, but that moment at the end, him cracking up over no, those I lines, like yeah. I'm like, okay, okay, they're they are not getting it as much as they think they're getting. That's fair. The critique they are trying to make, yes, is um, well. And I also i I was thinking about it from the standpoint of like, okay, 1979 is probably not a historian but it's probably like the earliest stages of what we might call the racism's over period um which is like oh we fixed civil rights so therefore racism's over so we can do these jokes we can make these things something that lasted forever like there's never not been a time when when people have used that experience that excuse um but like, oh, we integrated the schools. We we ended Jim Crow. We passed the civil rights legislation. You know, we were we've moved past all of that, and so we're free to sort of make some of these jokes and play around mm-hmm. with this sort of stuff. And so I think there was there was sort of that that feeling through some of the racial depictions in this film of like we can do this. You know, we've got a black doctor in the movie, so it's okay. And. And not seeing sort of the the other underlying issues. And I I see, too, the... He has only experienced life through television. Mm -hmm. And the two people, Louise, the maid, and the... The old man. The old man. um, And him projecting a lot of stereotypes. Yes. And and that being a way uh, of reading some of those moments there's just a, a moment that stood out to me too when he's in the car watching a cartoon that really is doing minstrel oh like. yeah i had to google that cartoon at the moment um, when we were watching it basketball and, jones and yeah yeah so i'm thinking okay we're we're, tr- we're seeing we're seeing it through his eyes the stereotypes of television mm-hmm. on on um people of color yeah that was a uh, Cheech and Chong song that got in, turned into that animated film that was uh, real, real minstrelsy. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Just a fun fact for you. Because <laughs> cool. um, I Googled it while I was, was like, what yeah. is this? Um, I, I, read, I read in my notes here that I thought this was fascinating that television is the background radiation of this movie. The, I was. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I thought not 
prepared for that commentary in this film. <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't expecting it at all. Like, if you had told me this, if you'd, you know, I, well, I didn't know. I walked in this movie not knowing what it was. I know it's about the, there's a bit more states in it. It's Peter Sellers. But the fact that it's also this, like, commentary on television and media and that there is just literally, like, much of the movie has TV running in the background of it. And it's very intentionally chosen. In fact, oh, there's a credit there of who did who all the screen the research, research to yeah. have what was on screen when. Oh, man. Like, this movie is commentating on itself the whole time in a way that I found fascinating. I, I found fascinating and, like, needing to watch it down again. And I wrote down that I think that there was something happening, like, deeper artistically than I can quite put my finger on. And a lot of what I think was happening, I, I don't think that the artists were even aware of. Quite possibly, I mean, yeah. And the way that we're reading this um, in 2019, you've mm-hmm. got here on the counter an audience of one. Yes. The book. <laughs> the book, about, um, yeah, by James. I can't read the author's name here. Uh, James Pawniewozik? That's... Yeah, James Pony was like, we'll go with that. He's a, he's a TV critic for the New York Times, and he wrote a book that came out this year called Audience of One that is about the it is about the combined rise of television and Donald Trump simultaneously and how those feed into each other. Right, and I keep thinking through this film, the emperor's wearing no clothes, and God, yeah. we're living in 2019. And that we're, this is the week that impeachment talk has like really hit the ground. And, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, fascinating to yeah just have this on the table at the same time. But there's yeah there's so much going on in here with television. Like, I I feel like I'm gonna think about it for a long time. <laughs> yeah, it it is the film. It's kind of film that like to really get. I would have to sit down and like write about and yeah. analyze and, and and watch it two or three more times maybe. Like it's very much like I can see why it's in the Criterion Collection of like this is an artistic film that like you want to soak in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I was also reading it in, like, um, about other films of wealthy families taking in charlatans. Whether the charlatan is intentionally being disingenuous or not. Like, as far as Mrs. Winterborn, um, which I I remember as a good Ricky Lake movie. I have never Um, heard of this film. but, um, (laughs) But, you know, I had... I had simpler analysis. Yeah, taste. well, no, I was I was thinking about that as well. That sort of that um, I don't know if it's an archetype or that, but it's a story that I've seen a few times where it's like a con artist comes in to a wealthy family and sort of takes over and lies and cheats and and pushes their way into success. Right. I got Will Smith. What was Six Degrees of Separation? What, that the was one a Will Smith movie. That he naked. he pretends that he is Sidney Poitier's son and gets into... I don't know that. Um, I, I've never seen Six Degrees of Separation, and I'm not sure he's in that. I'm thinking of Cuba Gooding Jr. is in Six um, Degrees of Separation. Well, I can't fact-checked fast enough <laughs> but there's a Will Smith movie where he, he pretends to be Sidney Poitier's son like early around Fresh Prince time that is that is news to me I'm, I'm googling as fast as I can um, do, 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 do. Six Degrees of Separation that is Six Degrees of Separation All right, I, got okay. it right. I, I don't know what I'm thinking of then um, that's fast I didn't know that um, um, which I was thinking of uh, those two films because they're happening in my mind similarly <laughs> in the past, yeah. sometime between 79 and mm-hmm. 2000. 
Uh, then I went to Tartuffe. Yeah. Which Moliere's I was, play, I was thinking um, a little bit in the same vein, uh, Ernest, importance of being Ernest. Yeah. Sort of that, yeah. that, 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 sort of the con man lying about being rich and getting away with it because you can. If people assume you're rich, they'll let you get away with anything. And this, and being there is an example of complete unintentionality. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, there's no, there's no malice. There's no, no misdirection like the closest thing i could see to that because I, I was watching this character of of chance the gardener or chauncey gardener and like the only thing that i could point to that was sort of like an intentional like you could almost read as a misdirection was his entire unwillingness to say i don't know hmm. when he encountered something un- he was unfamiliar with that was, a, that was a good catch, Kevin. It was. Was it catch. was a good catch. Um, like, because he would, he would go along with anything. He was he was very pliable in that sort of sense. And he reflected back. Someone would say something and he would say, I think that too. And literally often repeat the words back to them. Um, because he didn't know what else to say. But he, he never says, like, I don't know or I don't understand. And that was the, the sort of closest thing I could see to, like, being a, an intentional manipulation of something. And even then, I don't think that it wasn't malicious or, like, trying to get something out of it. It was almost sort of just an unwillingness to be impolite mm-hmm. and to not to, – to, to force someone to explain something. Yeah. Um, so when we started the film and he's still in, in Jennings' house as the gardener mm-hmm. – uh, my first impression thinking was, okay, this is a character on the spectrum, which they wouldn't have talked they wouldn't have about had words for that. Yeah. in 79. So they're going to just treat him as weird. Mm-hmm. And we're going to know, you know, 40 Nowadays years later have, yeah. that he's on the spectrum. And and while I do still think there's pro- there I mean, certainly is some sort of mental health, mm-hmm. um, like needing to be under the care of a psychiatrist and, and psychologist. That there was also certainly an abuse element in this character. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm doing more r- rationalizing than the film Yeah, I does. think the film they intentionally avoids that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I get... I don't like it when you get a, a weird, a quote-unquote weird character um, who probably has mental health issues that, that are not... That people treat as quirky mm-hmm. and i i don't know that this movie was doing that like i don't think any of the movie in the well first of all no one in the movie thought he was weird no or if they did it was it was in sort of a dry humorous sort of way no they were completely reading whatever they thought they wanted to see or they expected to see yeah with the context that they were given. Yeah. And. Which was fascinating to watch. Like I was really like, this is a comedy of manners in a way that I've never seen before mm-hmm. in that he is just being, if he's just being anything polite, he's being as polite as he possibly can. And everyone else is sort of projecting all of this thing onto him. And they're assuming so much of him because they're trying to be polite as well. When he says something about a garden people aren't like what are you talking about they're like oh yes of course you must mean this thing you must mean the garden of industry is upheld by the roots of capitalism um when he is a hundred percent across the board only ever talking about gardening like in a very sort of literal straightforward way 
Or when he's like, I don't read, I don't write, I watch TV. People read into like, oh, this man has strong opinions about newspapers. And it's like, nope, he's illiterate. Mm-hmm. Because, because something abusive happened. Yeah, him. like the fact that he grew up in this house and is and has never experienced the outside world. It's not allowed to go outside the house. Mm-hmm. There's Yes. We don't know if he was never taught to read or if he is not capable mm-hmm. of learning to read. Yeah, we have no idea. Because he's he's meant to be a cipher, I feel like, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, none of the other characters can see him. And so it's a, like on the audience yes. to see him for mm-hmm. kind of what he well, is. That's, and that's where the joke of the movie is. It's that dramatic irony of the audience knows what's going on and the rest of the world doesn't. Um, that's that's the the closest thing to an actual joke the movie has. It has funny move movements, funny situations. Uh, Shirley MacLaine throwing herself at him over oh, and Shirley. over again. <laughs> She's. I mean, she did. She didn't have a lot to work with, but she did a lot with well, the y- part. The two of them, like, I mean, the character as actors, as actors, the two of them figuring playing that off each other. out. Of, of it was how... some very great moments of, yeah. of physical comedy. And well, I, I think that's where I get I get concerned about like sexual salty things, yes, like yes. what kind of like what happens in Big and yes, um, <laughs> like uh, the that famous oh god that awful your mom will like this um, movie with Evan Rachel Wood oh the one where she got barefoot <laughs> that's the sort of mental health. Yes. patient that really concerns me and it's narrativized as oh aren't they sweet and quaint and they yes. fall in love and we're actually kidnapped by a guy and she can't consent okay, yeah. that, that is my concern I think that concern is, is certainly understandable I feel like this film maybe managed to thread that needle yes I, I, I was I was comfortable. I was more comfortable that that I assault was not happening. Yeah, like there were nothing was quite nothing really non consensual happens in the movie. I mean, yeah. s- sort of like being kissed unexpectedly, um, and then and there's again a lack of information between the two people, which is concerning. Yeah, but there is the moment where he's watching on TV two people kissing. Yeah, because that's the way he understands the world. Yeah, so he's like, there, there is something in him that wants to know more mm-hmm. to know how to do it because that's how he knows how to shake hands and that's yeah. how he knows to interact. So there's... whether I don't know if we can call it consent, there is there is a feeling he is recognizing that he needs to know more about mm-hmm. this and, and interaction. wants to and, and is interested in it at least for as long as it's on the TV mm-hmm. and then the channel changes and he's back to, to not caring anymore. Um, although Shirley MacLaine like masturbating on the side of the bed was real funny. Like throwing herself <laughs> over this giant like, bear rug like yeah. she's trying to figure it out. And that was good. It was a good she, physical comedy bit. <laughs> just read what she wanted to read into the situation yeah and she did to herself what she wanted to happen she made it work and um and meanwhile he's trying to do a headstand on the bed and he's yeah not not paying attention not, yeah. um and it and it was i mean it was filmed in 
there was there's no nudity. There's, no, um, it was it was it, a tasteful it masturbation scene. Really, all was scene. acting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was reading. Um, I think it was on the Wikipedia page. Apparently, they asked originally they asked um, Lawrence Olivier to play Ben, the old man, and he wouldn't do it because of the masturbation scene. Interesting. According to Wikipedia. Interesting. What can we right? read into that? I don't know. I have no idea if I can read anything into that, but it's interesting. Um. <laughs> Uh, this is a fascinating film i'm super glad we watched yeah it really it was um um oh i wrote uh shades of forrest gump um forrest gump is not a nuanced film in any way shape or form but i could see someone making forrest gump and like thinking about this film in the sort of the back of their head intentionally or otherwise Mm -hmm. um that's not a compliment to forrest gump but I just, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Probably more problematic um, if we rewatched that. Forrest Gump? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> rewatched that. Um, some beautiful screen images in this film. I wrote that, like him walking down the street, um, the middle of that. The final shot of the film was a very unexpected. I, I had them all over. Oh, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we should have called our show What Just Happened. <laughs> yeah. That would have been great. Yeah. Um, with Fred Savage. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we have to do one of these on What Just Happened with Fred Savage at Probably. some point when it comes it's back. It's all really fascinating. If it comes back. So fascinating. Um, but yeah, that moment where he's just like, oh, hmm. Um, of course, my mind immediately went to like, oh, I know how they filmed that. Because that's, a, that's a, mm. a famous magic trick, the walking on water is intentionally like a difficult thing and i went i know where they filmed that because <laughs> i know where that pond is because uh, i mean the way it's done is it's it's literally about the camera angle there is a thin sheet no, it be thin. there's a there is a, a walkway underneath it made mm-hmm. of glass and when you have the camera at the right angle and the light at the right angle it's just invisible and so you can walk along it so he can literally walk along that path reach over dip his umbrella into the thing off the path and then keep going. Yeah, so the, the final, in this very realism-based film, is him, he's wandering in the woods, being a, funeral. A, being a gardener, checking on the, like, trees, because yeah. that's what he knows, and he goes to the pond, and then he just keeps walking out into, into the, the pond, pond, takes a moment, the surface. pauses, <laughs> places his umbrella, dips it, it dips down it. all the way to the handle, yeah. looks at it, Keeps on walking. Yeah, on the surface of the water. On like, the yeah. surface of the water. And credits. I loved it. I loved that <laughs> ending of a moment of, of what? <laughs> yeah. I, I, because I was that was the thing I was thinking about is like where does this movie end? Like how do you how do you wrap this up? Mm-hmm. Um, because we're not going to have a reveal because nobody thinks anything's wrong. Um, or every time something weird happens, they rationalize it. Like, oh, the CIA must have erased all of his information. Or the FBI. Or the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> but both deny ever doing that. And, yeah. like, that's those sort of things. Like, oh, he's got no past. Like, like there's that almost that setup of, like, there's a mystery or, a uh, uh, like, it's all going to fall apart. Which often, in those sort of con man movies, it does. When, you know, there, there's... It, it falls apart. It, a, a lie doesn't work. And it all mm-hmm. collapses. Which never happens here. Like the the pallbearers at the funeral are talking about how they're going to put him into a position of power because he's perfect. That's how he keep they keep the president. Yeah. They keep. And 
so like there's no resolution narratively in that same sort of way so ending it on this this fantastical moment i thought was perfect yeah and the the last line the president you've been hearing him in the background giving his um eulogy at this this funeral and the last line is wrote down life is a state of mind yeah (laughs) i loved it (laughs) okay I got lots of things to think about. Um, again, another physical bit of comedy that I thought was great was Chauncey trying to light the cigar in that scene. And he didn't clip off the end of it or really know what to do with it. And so he's just holding it there with a lit match at the end of it. Kind of sucking on it, but like nothing's working. It's It was those little moments that I was like, oh yeah, Peter Sellers is a, is a fantastic comic actor. He knows exactly Aww. what he's doing and how, to, and how to underplay things in a way that... For what it's worth, the only other Peter Sellers film I saw was Doctor Strangelove, where nothing is underplayed. Everything is kind of over the top. Right. I don't and think it's underplayed in Pink Panther movies. No, it's no, he does. It's, it's a very big character. It's, it's very physical. Yeah. But being able to still have those sorts of like completely in character, completely character based moments of comedy that are still physical comedy and just played beautifully. Mm-hmm. I really I wrote that down. That was really funny and really good. Um, any other notes from Amy? That's most of what I got. Um, I think I was making there was was making some sort of connection to to Chekhov in like this dying wealthy family. Yeah. Um, I, and they haven't unlike in Chekhov, they haven't lost the wealth. Yeah. But the patriarch is, is physically dying. Um, and having I think it's because it's in the country and there's a doctor around all the time <laughs> who's also also like um. Involved in the family matters more yeah, than that's more than very Chekhovian. <laughs> so I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was um, also connecting it to some Chekhov. I dug, I dig that. Yeah. Um, I uh, I wrote down too just the kind of to me the inhumanity of all these people not seeing him. Yes. Um, and that that commentary. I mean, there's something about class, capitalism, mm-hmm. uh, the United States, Cold War. Um, well, so I, I think you know, when I was making my point about uh, the TV being the background radiation of the movie, mm-hmm. it was very much that. Like, nobody else acknowledges that the TV's on all the time. He is transfixed by it and is glued to it, and nobody sees him or the TV that's going on, because mm-hmm. it is just sort of the sound of the times, as it were. It's just, yeah, there's always a TV on. There's always things going on. Um, that I think it ties into that same sort of inability for anyone else to see him. Or each other, or anyone else. Right, right. And, and you get the, this kind of uh, almost feeling out of place, like intentionally out of place in aspersions of the president and his wife for not having sex. Yeah. And the wife is a little concerned, and mm-hmm. it's so underplayed mm-hmm. as that is happening and oddly cut through. Yeah, it just kind of shows up in places. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Well, and then I, the 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 lawyer and the reporters all like doing their investigations of trying to figure out why why don't we know anything about this man, mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff was also just yeah, uh, uh, an alienation mm-hmm. to use Brechtian sort of things. 
of not necessarily of us as the audience but like everyone in this was alienated from each other they were totally alienated. they could not see each other they could not see beyond what they expected from everyone not just like when again sort of expecting things from other movies in this shall we say con man rich family genre mm-hmm. when the doctor calls the lawyer and they're like uh, there's that sort of expectation that i had which is like oh they're gonna figure it out they're gonna mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna realize what's going on nope <laughs> they just continue feeding into their own beliefs of what's going on and that explains it and yeah it's, it's there, yeah, there's something very much going about on, in the time that it was created mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about a commentary on that. Yeah, on the time, which of course we have a lot of distance from mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Although this again has felt relevant, it felt resonant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, someone who doesn't read newspapers and watches a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, man. Really enjoyed watching yeah. this movie. <laughs> it was a interesting too. Uh, as a millennial, that all of this is all of the complaints about society and certain generations. Oh yeah, yeah. Just repeats. They're not new. Whenever the new generation <laughs> and the new technology yes appears, I mean yes. the the um, I think it was a, some sort of diplomatic party and the ambassador's like of course no one no has one time read. to read yes. and no one has time to write and uh <laughs> the best ghostwriter <laughs> yeah and like how how much i've been reading about productivity and optimizing your life right now mm-hmm. and when you have email and twitter and facebook and seven thousand news articles to read a day <laughs> and how much easier it seems in 1979 mm-hmm. just a couple of newspapers yeah. Just the big ones. Yeah. 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 Maybe some TV <laughs> here and there. A book. A book. The library, though. In the vote <laughs> <Our> house. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was so Wait, cool. Wait, I met the president? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I walk in, they can't find the guy because he's always on the second story of the library. Yeah. All those books. Is the library actually like that in the building? Yeah. Where? Yeah, that's uh, the library. Uh, <laughs> I just floor, <laughs> two stories, floor to ceiling books. I wouldn't be surprised if that's like what the Beast's library and Beauty and the Beast was based on. Yeah. <laughs> was that sort of like opulence of library. Oh, yes. Show your wealth. Show you that you have yeah. all these books. Even though I don't think that, that was as important in the early 20th century. But... Well, I think it was probably important to have them. Yes. You know, yeah. read them. Who has time to read? Who has time to read all those books? <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah. I think that was um, what you got? all of my gonna i'm gonna think on it and it's the first time of like the extra criterion bits seem like they might be interesting <laughs> well to be fair we haven't watched me. any criterion movies for this oh okay we've watched yeah. men in black the bisexual edition um yeah that was in the criterion collection <laughs> yet um you know, I often though when I watch a criterion movie is like I want to go dive into the to the extraneous extemporany extemporary no. Yeah. The extras. Yeah, the extra bits. And yeah. to be fair, Criterion does a great job of putting them together and like getting really cool things and archival stuff and interviews and Yeah. Like that's why you buy a Criterion disc. In addition to being like any Criterion blind buy will probably be a fascinating film to watch. Um, but also it'll then come with like this slew of cool extra features that are really interesting as well. Oh, yeah. 
This is what we got from the library. We did. We got from the library. Because that's the thing I will do, is I will go into the library. This was one of those. And I will scan the DVD shelves for the Criterion C and just grab one. Um, because the Criterion Collection is not like all of the best films of all time. And no one would think that. Um, but almost every film in the Criterion Collection is worth seeing. Yeah. And um, there are certainly great films that are not in it that are that exist and are worth like it's not an exclusive list or exhaustive list. Wow, it's so interesting because when we do this, we go into things and we just are mostly blind and just yeah. taking our first impressions, which is the opposite of how I approach like plays. When I'm going to go see a play, <laughs> you read everything I like about to it. reread <laughs> reread the text if it's available yeah. and know all the context of what it is. Yeah, but we also I think we look at theater very differently. It's true. As theater scholars. Whereas, I, I don't know. I think, I think there's something very fun to go into a movie just blind. No idea what's going mm-hmm. on. Um, that's not true for all films, but it's a lot of fun. Just go on a whim and yeah. see just what happens. I discover cool things. Yeah. 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 No, I... I I won't say I didn't enjoy some of the other films we've watched in this in this podcast experience we've done so far. Well, this is the most like thinky. Yeah. Because yeah, I enjoyed Friday the Thirteenth a lot. I thought that was real fun. Yeah, which was more like in a classic style than I yeah. expected. Yeah. It to be. Um, and then and then we've watched some popcorn. What I call popcorn, yeah, movies. popcorn movies. And those are great too. But but I feel like we're more negative on those sometimes. Well, it's easier. Yeah, there are some. That's because they've been bad. <laughs> that's and, true. <laughs> Not there all, are great not, popcorn yeah. films out there. <laughs> not all popcorn movies have to be bad. Um, yeah. 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 Um, I think. We've talked enough. I think What's we've our... talked enough. I don't know how much time we've had. We're uh, for about 45 minutes, which is about like yeah. normal. Yeah. Whether we like the movie or not. We can talk about it for 45 minutes. <laughs> and we'll continue talking about it to each other. Beyond this, yes. Beyond. Like dinner tonight yes. or just having um, fun. Yeah, yeah. Connecting it. Cool. Connecting it back, which made me think of that play we saw in the Czech Republic that was Václav Havel. Um, did some sort oh, of interpretation man. of the cherry orchard. That play was amazing. It would have been nice to have read the text. It would have been real nice to have read the text. I wonder if anyone's translated it into English. Someone must have. Yeah. I mean, Faklov Havel's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. But Cherry Orchard's Chekhov, I was thinking Chekhov in this film. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't I didn't catch any of the Chekhov stuff, but it's all over this movie now that you say it. Well, it seems like the sort of creators who would have um, a knowledge. of That weird line in the film of... Uh, more people will see you in this episode of television than 40 years of theater. theater. And first of all, like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think it might be more they, true now. They, they gotta put, they gotta, they gotta limit what they mean, like, of one show like Broadway? on Broadway, or like, theater like around all the world. all of worlds. theater combined across the world over the last 40 it's years. It's clearly someone who doesn't know theater. Yeah. <laughs> I know we both paused on that and there's theater scholars <laughs> like, I don't know about that. I question. But what a weird line to put in (laughs) the the movie. Which made me think that someone on this creative team knew some some theater. They probably know some theater. Yeah. And, and, yeah, what a weird line. 
Like, is that a thing to boast about? Like, just the number of people seeing it? I don't know. There's another commentary on, like, how television is, like, taking over the minds and yeah, the time maybe. of the people. I mean, we're still talking about this movie, even though we finished talking about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we can't stop. Huh. We can't stop. That's going to get us a copyright strike from... Uh... From the YouTubes? Yeah. Someone is going to find it. They're going to listen all the way to the end and find it and report it to the report YouTubes. Report that I, I sang like half a line from a... Yeah, well, quickly. Miley Cyrus gonna... song? <laughs> Spin it into Cyrus? a commentary. Yeah, we're talking about uh, Miley Cyrus. And, and uh, critique of... Yeah, then it's, then it's fair use. Yeah. It's not, is, is it copyright if I... Yeah, it's probably still copyright if I just say the words. Yeah. But and don't report us. Don't report please. us. <laughs> cool. We're going to pick another movie to watch soon. We, uh, no, we've got Ad Astra on the brain we do. right, we right now. Um, but, yeah. We'll or see. we can go see Downton Abbey with my having zero context for that film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are... And then the piles of movies from the library and Kevin's own collection. Yeah, we got of, lots of We'll pick something. We'll watch something soon. Yeah. Okay. I think that's actually the end. Yeah, the end. The end. Say goodnight, Amy. Goodnight, Amy.